0: We have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank?
1: Um, you look great in person,
0: and I uh, just can't wait to next year where we can pack it full of $25,000. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy Day. with was being Rank. I mean, how can you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers. Vipercast. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast episode 135. You already caught that. Now we are going behind the grind, and we are presented by the Fassy Points Media Group. Where's Tara? There's Major. And on today's show, our guest comes to us by way of Bay High School in Mississippi. Yeah. He played his college ball in Stanford prior to being drafted by the Tennessee Titans in the second round of the 2002 NFL draft, with stops in Minnesota and New England. And now, hey, he is currently a double threat when it comes to analysis here, both as an NFL analyst and as a fantasy analyst. Please welcome Tank Williams. How are you doing, Tank? Oh, I appreciate, it. I appreciate getting a shout out. They don't give enough <laughs> love, man. <laughs> hey, we got to give those, those high schools there uh, a little bit of a shout out every once in a while. So just so yeah. you know, There's a little bit of stalking that went into today's uh, show sheet here in advance. So there may be some things that uh, we're going to be bringing up here from uh, high school and whatnot that uh, (laughs) we'll have a little bit of fun with as we get into it. But we kick off the show every week with probably one of my favorite questions. And as a former player, this may hit a little bit different. So put yourself in that kind of position where maybe you're coming into a baseball game in the bottom of the ninth to close it out. Or you gonna choose that one song to come out of that tunnel in for a, on game day? What is that song going to be to introduce Tank Williams to the people?
2: Mm, the one song. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I guess it really kind of depends.
1: Um, We're trying to get depends the Depends on my pump?
2: mood. Like, wh- yeah, when I had. Oh, so this is to get a crowd pumped. I, I was just trying to think about what I used to have in my. Uh, yeah, oh, head had Back in those days when I played my iPod, I'm trying to think what I had on my iPod. I had like a lot of <laughs> Tupac, <laughs> had a lot of Tupac, had a lot of Jay Z, had a lot of Lil Wayne. I'm just trying to think about one specific song that uh, actually, you know, one song that I used to like, uh, that kind of got me pumped. It's the song from The Matrix, yeah, Rob Duggan or Dugan, whatever his name is.
1: Was it like the main track? It's the dome yeah, yeah that beat. you know what I'm saying that one yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that one yeah. went
2: hard and it has like that kind of slow build up right. like that's how that's kind of like how my flow is like you kind of you're like real cerebral you kind of think about what you need to do and then it's like that anticipation to kick off and so then it's like a kind of slow build until you get to the ball and the climax of kick off and then it just kind of gets rocket. so any kind of music like that kind of sets my mood because that's how I flow
0: What's that one mood music that's on that iPod right now that you probably don't want your teammates to know that's on your iPod? What's that guilty pleasure song
1: for Take Williams? The one that your wife plays uh, for you and you and you but you like it though. <laughs> oh
2: man. Kind <laughs> of think. Uh oh, well, I don't know well, I don't care. I mean, people may not like it, but um you ever heard that song uh Music sounds better
1: with you? I I'll, I'll be googling it right now. Right. Who's who is it? Christina Galera, somebody who is that? No, nah, it's not Christina. Aguilera. Come <laughs> on, he said, Don't play me like that. <laughs> no, nah, it's by uh Stardust. Stardust, okay, I gotta yeah. check that one out.
2: It's like kind of like one of those like old school dance, it's not techno, it's kind of like a kind of dance, kind of
3: like the music, EDM you know kind of. I think I, think it, I it like it's about. like the yeah, old school
1: yeah. EDM flow, yeah, yeah, he got you. let's 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 take this way back let's go to baby tank um (laughs) let's talk about the importance of growing up and playing sports like how did that help you become the man you are today and then also um how many other sports did you play and who were some of your favorite teams and and uh, and and players that you grew up uh, idolizing
2: uh well i probably wouldn't be where i am today if it wasn't for sports because i love football like my dad was a high school coach he started the peewee league uh, in my hometown and my mom told me that if i didn't get good grades i couldn't play ball and so you know i got good grades all the way from i was knee high to a gumdrop to you know finishing you know near the top of my class in high school and then getting a scholarship to stanford and so i credit all that to my parents putting uh you know emphasis on academics but you know In the background, it was, you know, I had to get my my schoolwork done so I could ball. And so balling was life. And so I made sure I got my books. I made sure I got the good grades. And so, you know, it kind of lent itself hand in hand. But when it comes to what sports I played uh, as a kid, I played everything. And I feel like a lot of kids have gotten away from that these days. Because a lot of parents want their kids to focus just on one sport. They're like, hey, you want to put all your eggs into this basketball bag? you know go to all these camps and play summer basketball winter basketball all that but I felt like uh back in my day when everyone played multiple sports I played baseball basketball I ran track I played football and I believe that crossover uh helped in the other sports like I believe that my my work in football helped being physical and some of the post work that I would do in basketball I felt like you know, my work on the basketball court helped with like some of my footwork in football. And so I felt like playing those different sports, uh, you know, had a lot of crossover effect. And yet at the same time, it's playing with different folks and it's a different team environment when you're five on the court and basketball versus 11 on the field. Mm-hmm. And footballing, and when you're on the track team, you're one piece of a whole cog yet at the same time, it's on you to run your individual race and track. And so I feel like all those different dynamics build character whether you're talking about yourself or working with the team to achieve a common goal
1: yeah who's some of the people that you kind of looked up to when you were a kid like who was your uh who's your idols who's your go-to who's your teams and and who's some of your players any sport Uh,
2: well i mean growing up in mississippi you would think that i was a saints fan but they was hot garbage like when (laughs) i was young (laughs) that's that's, yeah that's when they had the brown bags on the head and so everyone's like you don't like the saints nah man i was a 49ers fan because my parents attended Mississippi Valley State, uh, up Uh-oh, in Northern Mississippi, and Jerry Rice. There you go. So I remember going and watching Jerry Rice when he was in college when I was a little kid. And so wow. the 49ers were my team in football. I mean, I was a huge Jordan fan um, for the uh, NBA. So that was my squad in basketball. And then I, I didn't watch baseball that much, but everybody had the Bo Jackson poster. And, you yeah, know, I absolutely. had that on my wall, too. Uh, Because Bo Jackson was that dude. I mean, I played baseball and football as a kid. And so seeing somebody, you know, compete at the highest level in both sports. I mean, I felt that was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, can can you just touch on that seeing like watching Jerry Rice in college? Was he that man in, in college as well? Did you did you see it as a kid? Like, oh, he's about to be one of the greats?
2: Like, I, I don't know if I saw it as a kid. I just yeah. know that that was the college that my folks attended. But he was balling out, though. I mean, he yeah. had Willie Titan throwing in the ball. And when you have a guy that's that explosive, you know, playing against that type of talent, like every game he's like blowing up and it's like a video game. And so when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, man, that dude should play on Sundays. But yeah, at the right. same time. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, he had that type of game, like over probably 100 yards, multiple touchdowns every game because he was that dude and he was playing against kind of low-end low talent.
0: Right. So you mentioned you basically went from the Bay to the Bay, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing from – but what made you go to Stanford? I know you had the grades. That was very important for you and your family all the way up there. But Mississippi State's there, Old Miss is there. There's some colleges close to home. You Mm -hmm. went across the country. I mean, it paid off pretty good. First-team All-Pac-10 2001, first-team All-American 2001. I mean, some pretty good accolades there going into Stanford. But what was that decision to go from Mississippi to Stanford there?
2: Uh, I mean, well, first off, I mean, I have to say that when you're comparing Stanford to most schools, when you think about it from an academic perspective, I mean, it's just hard to pass up. And so really there was no choice when you compare it to the LSUs and all these other SEC schools that were in my backyard. But at the same time, I dealt with a lot of injuries during my high school career. I had a back injury to where a lot of times I can only play the first half of a game my freshman, I mean, my senior year in high school, I have to sit like the second half out because I could barely move. Um, And I don't know why, but you know, all the schools that were recruiting me backed off And Stanford, fortunately was one of the lone schools that offered me a scholarship. They never saw me play football in person. One of the coaches came to one of my high school basketball games, and I'm more Dennis Rodman than I am Michael Jordan. And so he came (laughs) to a game, but I had like 20-something points, double-digit rebounds, and I dunked on the dude. And I ended up getting the scholarship to Stanford after, like, there's a guy who got the last scholarship to Stanford. He backed out, decided to go to Notre Dame. And so then I ended up getting that last scholarship and attended Stanford. So I got the last scholarship after someone backed out. And then ended up being the first guy drafted my draft year. Uh, so, you know, it was in, ended up being an amazing story for me. It's one of those things where it was uh, meant to be. I, I went out on my visit and um, I'm sitting at like this dinner where you meet with some of the faculty. And there's like this political science, you know, renowned political science professor next to me. And then there was kind of Lisa, kind of Lisa Rice sitting on the other side of me. And That's so good. you have that you know, those type of people around you and you're, you know, you're conversing with them and meeting with some of the other professors students is, and then you look at the campus and it's really hard to pass up. Is like they said, it's really not a four-year decision. It's a 40 year
0: decision. And mm. I
2: mean, that holds true for the guys that I attended Stanford when I was there and the guys that are there right now as well.
0: One of the things when you make it to the NFL, it's all about how, kids these days. It's all about the swag, but you have to be a different kind of dog out there. I mean, you have to be – it's a, a boss move to put your first and last name <laughs> on the back of your jersey. How did that come about? Like, there's pictures picture says Tank Williams right yeah. on the back of the jersey.
2: No, it's pretty interesting because my rookie year, I think I just had Williams on my jersey. And then they drafted a wide receiver, Rodell Williams. Uh, I believe he came in my second year. And I believe we had one other Williams. And since my first name was so short, there's like, we either put T Williams or we could just put your whole name. Like, which one do you want? I was like, <laughs> put the whole name. And so then once I started rocking just the full Tank Williams on my back and I felt like I was one of the lone cats in the league where I thought it was kind of tight. I mean, after the fact, I found out that there was some guy, I can't remember his name, who had that before me. But I feel like I am one of the pioneers, at least in the new age, to have the whole name on back of his jersey. So I, I'll hold that down.
3: <laughs> let's stick with the name here so we got to figure out you know what's the origin story here how did you get the nickname tank you mentioned peewee football and your dad um were you out there just on the field just trucking all the other little kids out
2: there <laughs> yeah i was said, but yeah. That's not how i got my nickname uh i got my nickname because when i was a baby uh my mom had to give me bottle after bottle of milk, and my sister got tired of going back and forth to the refrigerator. So she was like, Mom, you just need to give him a tank of milk. And somehow that stuck. Uh, but I will say that my little homie that's in the nursery sleeping right now is trying to earn the nickname of TJ because at first he wasn't really putting the milk down, but now that dude is eating and getting big like a monster. So I, think I got me another one on my hands.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so when, when when you're getting drafted you get that call and now you're like in camp and everything you still got to make that roster what talk about that moment when you was like I'm making this squad no matter what and like what uh yeah pretty much and, and you wasn't gonna take any nose and none of that you was gonna just make that roster
2: well you know I had an interesting dynamic where I was a second round draft pick and so I mean, it's not like you coming in as a first round draft pick, but when you come in as a second round pick, like usually teams expect you to play. And so I was in the offseason and I was getting, you know, some reps with the ones and it was an interesting dynamic. Like some of my like homeboys now to this day really didn't like the fact that I was coming in. They had some of their boys that they were drafted with that were on the team and I'm playing ahead of those guys and I really haven't proved myself And so, you know, that made an interesting dynamic when I first got there. And then when training camp started, I pulled my hamstring like a week or so in the training Mm. camp, and it was bad, too. It was like one of the ones where you almost feel like you got shot in the back of the leg. And so I didn't play the first three preseason games. Uh, And so, you know, what you saying, like, I mean, still, I knew I was going to make the roster guy a second-round pick, but at the same time, you want to prove your value, prove your worth. I'm on the sidelines the first three weeks of camp. And so then I come back the last week of camp, I play against, you know, the Green Bay Packers. That's when they got Brett Favre and them there. And I play well. And then i end up starting the first game of my career and then playing the entire season and starting and playing well. And so it was one of those things where, yeah, you have pressure to make the team. You have pressure to live up to your draft status. But. When it's all said and done, you can only control what you can control. And so it's studying the game plan, making sure you understand the plays, making sure you're not going to make mistakes, staying healthy. And then once you get between those white lines, it's all about executing on a on a, every play. You know what I'm saying? Just execute yeah. every play and try to go out there and ball out. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to overcome missing a whole lot of time and, and playing well and earning respect to my coaches and my teammates.
1: So you started week one?
2: Yeah.
3: Nice. Side note. I'm like 90, now we're talking, I'm 90% I'm sure I was at that Packer, that Tennessee Packers game. Uh, my family's from Nashville. <laughs> okay. okay. That <laughs> 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 nice. <laughs> that's wild. Um, yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's dive back uh, into you more personally. Um, tell us about a decision that changed the trajectory of your life. Um, something that's not marriage and not birth of a child.
2: One that's not marriage and what? birth of a child and not birth of a child something Mm -hmm. that changed my life um i mean honestly it goes back to stanford um i believe that that university that experience changes you in the best way possible um like a perfect example is this like i feel that Jameis winston is like a good quarterback i don't know him personally uh i mean i know he's made some mistakes but i know his teammates you know enjoy having him around so I can't speak to him as a person like outside of what you read in the news and all that kind of stuff but you know I would have like some folks like try to say like oh like Jameis is this way that way but yeah Jameis had an opportunity to go to Stanford mm-hmm. and I would say that if he were able to attend Stanford for four years I feel like he would still be the same person like I would be the same person whether I attended Stanford or LSU or Florida say anything like that but You'll be the same person but it changes you like your perspective on life the way you like the friends that you have the way you interact with other people the decisions that you make not only like on the football field but also uh in life after ball as you deal with your family i mean i just if i feel like just the experience you have with the people you're in class with uh, having people that strive for goals whether it's between the white lines or people who are the children of hewlett packard and things like that and all these folks who are striving starting their own companies and things like that and you see that on a regular basis you're like man i'm just here to play ball and and these people are doing these great things and so i feel like it just motivates you like beyond which your own expectations of what you feel you can achieve and that stuff remains too like i know i can speak for myself i know my wife would say the same thing she's a stanford graduate like you see people achieving great things that, you know, you went to college with and you feel happy for you for them. And at the same time, it like always motivates you. Like it's always like something pushing you to be a better businessman, a better person, a better father, a better friend. And I feel like that experience that I was able to get there uh, at Stanford and the people that, you know, I still hold as really close friends today, um, that was definitely a life changing event that changed the trajectory of who I am as a person. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that Stanford experience for sure. Do you
1: think it like matures you a little bit, a little bit more, like because you're seeing all that stuff? Is that is that kind of what you're getting at a little bit?
2: Um, I believe it 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 matures you and then it, it matures you from a sense of your responsibility, not only on the field and the accountability that the coaches when I was there held us to. But then also the accountability that you have to have off the field, too, because gotcha. it's not going to be a cakewalk where you may be able to go to a school to where, listen, as long as you perform between these white lines, we'll get you through school. Like, at Stanford Law, and that's not happening. Like, you have to go to class. You have to perform against some of the smartest people in the world <laughs> and hold your own. And so I believe, like, dealing with that where we're playing, you know, against some of the best college players, you know, in the world, in the country. And at the same time, having to compete inside the classroom against some of the brightest minds. I mean, there's never a day off. I mean, it's almost like you always have to strive to be the best version of yourself on a daily basis. And I believe that experience repetitive on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, annual basis, makes you strive to be a better person student player and that that Persistence that you have during that time carries over through the rest of your life and hopefully makes you a better person as a father, uh, as a husband, and things like that as well. So, hopefully, it's that kind of carryover that lends itself to you doing really good things in other aspects of your life as well.
0: That segues perfectly to this next question here. We spoke, talking about that journey, those trials, those tribulations, there, leading. What were some of those moments that kind of led you to becoming the man you are today? Some of those adversities you may have faced in high school, maybe uh, injuries in the pros, uh, different ways you've dealt things to help you become the man you are today.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I think about my high school career, it was the injuries where I remember getting all these letters my junior year and felt like I may, I wasn't going to have my pick like I was one of the top recruits in the nation, like I was far from that, but I got a decent amount of letters where I was like, dang, I'm going to have an opportunity to kind of choose where I want to go to college between at least a few schools. But then I had the injury to my back and everyone backed off. And then it got to the point to like, man, will I actually get a scholarship? Like, will I be able to play ball in college? And I remember crying and and my, my parents just telling me, like, you know, you're working hard and. You know, you just got to pray on it and understand that everything is going to work out. And then Stanford ended up offering me a scholarship. And I already told you a story, how I'm the last recruit to get there. And yet I was the first guy in my class to get drafted. And so everything worked out that way. And then I got to the pros and had to deal with knee injury after knee injury. And it's one of those things where you have that adversity and it's like, how do you bounce back? And, you know, I had one too many injuries that I couldn't bounce back from. But at the same time, you know. I felt good about the way that I would attack my injuries and then just having that kind of persistence carry over to other aspects of life because you know when you're working uh in life outside of football like like life isn't fair like you may feel like you deserve to get a role at a certain company or something like that and it doesn't pan out but what do you have to do like you just have to grit your teeth and grind and try to you know get on with another company or try to get a better outcome somewhere else and so i believe like when you deal with injuries you deal with adversity and it's almost like a lot of those movies you see where it's like a lot of people they will go to war and they'll land on a new country and then they'll burn their boats and they're like yo like i'm either winning or i'm dying and i feel like a lot of times whether it's sports or how i attack some things now is like maybe for better for worse like you burn the boat and it's like hey we are gonna get this done or i'm gonna die trying and so that's i feel like it's that kind of level that kind of mentality that you have in order to be great and i feel like a lot of times you know you may fail but i'd rather fail trying to be great than just be satisfied being mediocre and just kind of living a whole mm. life and so you know sometimes that puts additional stress on you that you may not like but i feel like if you end up achieving your goals when it's all said and done it makes it that much
1: sweeter man that's a great answer that's that that was a little too deep man we got to bring it back a little bit whoa man you wanna <laughs> make me cry a little bit i was ready to go go to war um but what's 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 on your youtube playlist right now like some podcasts some motivational stuff some comedian stuff cat videos What what do you look at on youtube
2: I don't watch a lot of youtube but okay so,
1: so here's the second i, I will part. say there, like i mean a... but i will
2: say something that i i like to watch and like things that are up my alley like i like watching dave chappelle like i love comedies but yeah. i also like thinkers i like people that have like i like people that have perspective and i like people that have unique perspectives and and so like i f- yeah i mean i f- i feel like that's what we need more in the world today is just for people to be more thoughtful and not just kind of jumping on the first thing and latching on the first thing that they hear or see and feel that is gospel. Like, I mean, I feel like if we had more thoughtful people in the world, more empathetic people in the world, that it would be a much better place. And so whenever you have folks uh, that will bring up topics that make you think and maybe challenge the way you feel about a certain subject but yet at the same time it makes you think and be critical about a topic I feel like those are the types of narratives that I'm drawn to and so actually I haven't had a lot of time to watch a lot of stuff since the little homies into my life exactly four (laughs) months ago but when I had all the free time in the world it would be things like
0: that that would uh engage me that's a great answer. Don't worry, that that cocoa melon
1: that's coming here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Those songs will never leave your head. <laughs> oh man, I, I got Dora song still stuck in my head from my daughter was little. So yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: let's jump back to let's jump back to life in football. Um, how were you prepared for life after football? How did you transition into the media as well?
2: Uh, I had a long road to get into the media because I first started off in real estate. Uh, When I retired, I kind of networked through a few programs that I would take when I was in, I felt like I would attend entrepreneurship programs. They have them at uh, at Harvard, the Wharton school of business and things like that. So I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so initially I got into commercial real estate and I worked for a commercial real estate firm for, I believe it was like five years or so after I finished playing ball. And then I started my own real estate development company after that, where I was like kind of building homes, flipping homes out here in California. And then at that time I attended, like, it was the, it was like this fantasy, uh, it was like a fantasy convention out in Vegas um, in like 2015 or so. And I met Brad Evans and he was, you know, working on the Yahoo fantasy show. And so, you know, we had some drinks one night and we were just kind of talking shop and talking fantasy. And he was like, man, like you're a former player, but like, you know, your fantasy, like we need to get you on the show. Like where you live? I'm like, I'm out in the Bay Area. He's like, man, you close to Sunnyvale, too. And so I talked to one of the producers and they brought me on and just tried me out. And then that's really how I got my start uh, in the media business. And, you know, it's one of those things where. After I retired from football, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, I remember there was a year or so where I didn't even watch ball. Like, I was salty. And the only way I started paying attention was that my college homies wrote me in the fantasy. And then it all made sense because my boys used to call me like on Fridays and Saturdays and be like, "Hey man, how you feel about this game? Like, <laughs> like, what y'all think? What you think Eddie's gonna do? Like, what you think Steve's gonna do? Or how how y'all gonna play this?" And then I'm like, "Oh, so y'all was up in there trying to get intel from me for y'all fantasy back in the day because I had no clue fantasy existed back in those days." But long story short, I mean, that's how I got my start uh, in media. You know, fantasy football. Uh, And basically the same way I did in real estate. I kind of did like some free stuff for uh, a real estate firm in California, kind of showed my worth and then ended up working that way into a contract. And it was similar to Yahoo where I got on and then just kind of had like minimal pay at first and then kind of showed my value
0: and then just kind of built it up from there. So I love that insider trading kind of stuff there with the college buddies there, giving a little (laughs) intel there on Eddie and (laughs) Steve. But I've also got a little bit of insider trading here too on this next question. So, we all know that if Kurt Warner can go from bagging groceries to the NFL to a made for TV <laughs> movie, when is the Tank Williams story going to go out there? When are we going to get a little bit of a shout out here to the Win Dixie grocery yeah. store in St. Louis? <laughs> yeah. Let's go.
1: Let's go.
2: Yeah, I have an interesting story about Win Dixie too. Like, I, yeah, I was a bag boy and I like stock the sales. I can say that I, even though I worked in a grocery store, like, I never worked a register. And that seems kind of odd to me. Because it seemed like most people that work in the grocery store, they at least once worked to register. I never worked the register. <laughs> you got to work your the way up to The story that. about when dix is that I got fired. And the reason I got fired is because they scheduled me to work on Super Bowl Sunday. And when I saw that schedule, I was like, like, I don't think I communicated to the manager before, so it's probably my fault. But then I walked in, I'm like, yo, like, my dad, like, you know, my dad coached, like, like my high school was like right next door to the grocery store too. Pretty much, like you know, my dad coached at the high school. You know, I play ball for the high school. You're gonna schedule the only football player that works in the store on Super Bowl Sunday? Like, come <laughs> on, man. And so, like, maybe like, I quit. didn't articulate that the right way. Somehow, I got fired. But I know one thing: I was watching the Super Bowl on Sunday, so that's the only thing that mattered.
1: How you get fired on <laughs> your day off, Fred? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> they, um, hey, they didn't catch me on camera still in boxing, but I, that I got a couple of sneakers out the back.
1: There. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, oh, you messed me up. I can't get to my next question. Um, so this is actually one of my favorite questions. Like, so when you was a young guy in the league, who, who was your vet? Who's the guy that took you under his wing and and give us, uh, and what, what, what did they teach you? And then when you became the vet, who was your young boy and what did you teach him?
2: I would say that, I mean, it's tough because I looked at different guys for different reasons. Like okay. I looked at Steve McNair and just the way he carried himself because he always seemed to be like on the same level. Like, you know, how some people get like super hyped for a game. Like, Mac nine was just always even killed but yet every time he stepped on that field like that dude was gonna ball he played through injuries he played through adversity and like he always put it all on the line and you could always guarantee that if he was gonna play in the game you had a chance to win and so I love that aspect of him uh yeah at the same time in my defensive back room I always love watching Samari roll because I Mm -hmm. never really had a guy that taught me like really great footwork When I was in college, like when when I was in college, you can get away with like hitting receivers 10 yards down the field and you can contact them all the way up until like the ball was in the air versus you couldn't contact them past five yards in the league uh, in NFL. And so learning how to use my feet, uh, you know, refining my technique, watching him because that was a good thing. Like Samari was a Florida State guy. And so his entire life, he studied Deion Sanders. And so mm-hmm. basically it was just one of that – basically that lineage where I get to study from a guy who was a really really talented cornerback, amazing footwear, had a really good head for the game, and he studied the best cornerback that ever played. And so I yeah. felt like watching him really helped me refine my game. And then on the flip side, I mean, I, I just tried to be one of those guys that the young guys could just look up to. I mean, I had an interesting dynamic – uh during my latter years in Tennessee because when I believe my very last year is when we drafted Pac-Man uh we Mm. had Pac-Man Jones on the roster and so that situation uh (laughs) was interesting I mean Pac was a very talented player and Pac would probably say to this day as well that he was a really young guy came into the league and probably really didn't want anyone to tell him what to do and you know wanted to play the game and do things his way and he you know kind of improved as you know his career progressed but yet at the same time like so when you're dealing with those kind of dynamics in the defensive back room, and we were losing um and i was coming off a knee injury too it made things a little bit difficult but yet at the same time it's one of those things where you can only control what you can control and so i just had to make sure that I took care of my business in the defensive meeting room, took care of my business between the white lines, took care of my business off the field. And then everything else, you just try to be an example, whether it's, you know, communicating or just, you know, by your actions, but what you do on the field outside. But there's only uh, so much you can do at times. And so it's whether, you know, you get on some teams where guys are receptive to feedback and information. You get on some teams where, Uh, guys just kind of want to do their own things. And so you just have to learn how to uh, navigate those situations effectively in the league.
3: So we talked about uh, everything at Stanford. We talked about the transition from football into real estate, Um, all the things that you've learned along the way. What is something that you wish that you knew from now or along the way all the way back in high school?
2: Man, like just one thing. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like there's so many things that uh I wish I knew then that I know now. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's just a really tough question because I feel like I'm always like like I don't like I don't read like book books enough. Like I read some books here and there. Like I'm notorious for bringing like five books on a vacation and not reading one. I like <laughs> maybe skim a couple pages and then read, Dang. you know, the back and be like, man. But I I had intention. But like I read like a lot of articles. I watch a lot of news. Like I read a lot of stuff on the internet. I'm always researching things, and so I feel like like I, I've learned so much about like business and and just interpersonal relationships and psychology, there's so much that I've learned, you know, in college and the NFL, life after football, dealing with friends, relationships and things like that. So it's really hard to pinpoint just one thing. And I know people would be like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's difficult. I would just say that if I could speak to my younger self, I would just say like always have a thirst for knowledge, Uh, ask a million questions. Uh, I would say find someone who motivates you that's passionate about something that you're passionate about, watch them at like a hawk. try to build a relationship with them, pick their brain, learn everything that you can know about it. And then once you do that, try to find the next best person and then do it all over again. Just always have like this, for knowledge i mean so maybe 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 that's what it is like I, I, I think that's a long-winded way of me saying just always have a thirst for knowledge and it just doesn't speak to just random information i would say have a thirst for knowledge when it's when it comes to like information but then also like you as a person like what affects you what makes you go like what makes you sad what makes you happy like always just try to gain additional perspective about things that are important to you and i feel like if you make the things that are important to you a priority then things will be great in your life and people that you surround yourself will feel the same way
1: man great answer um and this this is the last question i usually ask for advice but um I'm gonna ask for a favor of you, and then we're gonna. I'm gonna in turn. I'm gonna have Matt and Tara and myself give you some parent advice since you got a little TJ oh, over there. Oh, I take,
2: I so, take all yeah. the parental advice. Yeah, before I can we give. do
1: that though, uh, <laughs> who do you think we should have on the show? And before you answer, like you have to, uh, you got to help us w- with the connect, man. We need, we need more players on the show.
2: Oh, so you want a player to be on the show?
1: Yeah, like who? Mm-hmm. Who do you think we could get on the show? Who can you help us get? And we're going to give you this uh, this, this parenting advice. Think, uh, just
0: tell Brad Evans to check his emails, too, every once in a while. Oh, we'll take Brad, Oh, man, Brad's y'all cool. should
2: definitely get noise.
0: I mean, because that would be the first person that pops to mind
2: is noise. Okay. Like, Brad, Brad is a, a really good dude, really informed guy who's really... I mean, I can't think of a person that's more passionate about the betting space, fantasy space, every sport just in general, and will let the whole world know about it without a microphone. I mean, he's that passionate about it that. He just screams and shrieks whenever words come out of his mouth. But yeah, if you need help with noise, getting Brad Evans on the show, Got I'll it. definitely do my part because I feel like not only you, but every person listening in will get a little something for from it just because of his passion for what he does
1: all right so i'm a I'm gonna go first with the parent advice I think I may no I think Matt you may have the oldest daughter right your daughters I'm already I got my twenty
0: five year old I've got three grandkids already so okay. I'm already way so way out
1: you there. got eleven I'm gonna let you go last because you got eleven Tara got two young ones so they're closer to your age my daughter's a She's like in college now. So it's like okay. we got a good balance right here. But my mm-hmm. number one thing is allow your kid to cry. Like I used to let my daughter cry. I read somewhere that it builds uh, independence and builds confidence. Um, I used to let, And now she is that she's she has like her own business. She's a house, a house sitter. Uh, she's a pet sitter. She's in college, straight A's, all that good stuff. So yeah. I, I say let your kids. Let, let let your kids cry. Let them figure out a little bit. You know, and don't let them. Say get, let don't, them
2: cry. At what age are we talking about?
1: Now? Like, this whole baby. I mean, I, I, I was going to say, like, I let I let them
2: do it now. <laughs> exactly. But I, didn't know, but I didn't know if you're talking, because there's various forms of crying. So, like, you would say right gotcha. now, like, he's waking when up the crib, and, a nap, and he probably crib, needs to sleep, like, 30 minutes longer. Like, I'm going to let him shriek to, I mean, uh, since y'all That's exactly have kids what it is. people that are watching have kids, they'll know, like, I let them cry to the point to where when I go in and you turn them over, like he yes. got one of them like big boogers on his cheek and a booger in his nose. Like, dog, you was really trying to let me have it outside, huh? So no, like- hey,
1: <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. Let them cry in that crib. They'll figure it out. You know what I mean? So let them let them be independent. But if they get hurt or something, you know, you, they crying, you got to kind of do the huggy. See, that's
2: what I was thinking about too. Like yeah. when they're a little toddler or maybe – Four years old or so. Like, I feel like I'm gonna be the parent on, like, I may be wrong. Like, it depends on the fall. You gotta let them figure it out. Like, if they're just outside doing some stuff and they fall and I'm like, man, that's not that significant. Exactly. Like, I wanna be the one that just kind of looks at them, fall, and just kind of look. I don't wanna be like, because if you then they're gonna cry. All you gotta say is fall down and you just look and be like, what you gonna do? You you're okay? Hopefully, they get up and then keep it moving. Now, if they yes. run into a pole like I used to do back in the day, <laughs> They'd be like, oh my baby, you're gonna be all right, and then you kiss it. But, like, yeah, there's varying degrees of it.
1: Yeah, you gotta let them figure yeah, it put out some dirt on it.
2: Yeah, you put gotta let figure it out. It. Yeah, For
1: real, like we, we we caught on the kids too much nowadays. You gotta let them figure it out. But, yeah, let's okay. that's, that's, that's not be uh negligent. But you, you get it, you, you're on the right yeah. path. I'm yeah. gonna go to Tara next because Tara, she got two young, wild ones, and I think. Little TJ, his name is Tank. Yo, little little Tank is gonna be a wild one too. So
3: I think Terry got the best (laughs) advice for you.
2: Now, what do you have? Two, two what?
3: I have two boys. Yeah, two Two boys. boys? Okay. Uh, A five-year-old and a two-year-old.
2: Oh, them terrible twos, huh? They usually on the show.
3: They just be they yeah yeah <laughs> they be in the they be Oh in the yeah, show. they just walk right through uh just yeah you know, look I'll talk into the camera anything no respect no respect for me whatsoever
1: but yeah, like, but when yeah I'll keep get Tara, any no when Tara give him that mom look I see him straighten up though like don't yeah don't get I just kind of turn
3: to the side just like you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I'll keep it on the independence train too I I I send, Sometimes I questioned if I made them, uh, especially the older one, like a little too independent. But I think it really but I think it really matters um, being able to let them do those things that themselves, give them those, uh, you know, independent moments. Um, you know, I've got the two year old now. He'll you know, I'll tell him, hey, you know, time to go to school get up, go pick out your clothes, he'll walk upstairs, because he goes downstairs in the middle of the night and comes in bed and sleeps with me, but he'll walk back upstairs, grab his shorts, grab his shirt, get his rethink, and then want to put it on himself, and brush his teeth and everything, and it's you know it's mildly irritating, because it takes up way too much time, but <laughs> in the long run, I think giving them that opportunity to have that independence and do all those things themselves, um, it's good Good character building.
2: Yeah. And that starts at a young age, too, right? Because I feel yeah. like I never wanted to be the parent that has the kid that only wants to be held by their mom or their dad. Like the good thing about my little dude is that we can go to like family's house or something like that. And you put him in anyone's lap and he's just like straight chilling. Yeah. and it's like man like the last thing you want is like that person that once you try to hammer to a stranger that little breathe. lip starts quivering and yeah. your face turn red yeah. like nah, man like you have to be able to spread love and so yeah. i believe if they can do it at a young age hopefully it carries on to the ages you're talking about right
1: there you go mm-hmm. yeah. and matt matt has 11 11 what, 11 kids well like i said. I'm basically
0: the Canadian version of Philip Rivers here. Uh, (laughs) Cromarty may have me by one or
1: two, but I'm not too sure.
0: But yeah, no, you name it, I've got it. I mean, we've got 25 year olds. My youngest, he's eight. I've got three grandkids. I mean, we've fostered, we've adopted. I mean, any, I think if you add all the foster kids, we've had about 86 kids that have come through our home at some point. So yeah, we've children are thing I picked up on. So the first thing I will say. Melatonin gummies, they're not just for the kids. <laughs> they're for the adults too. <laughs> you need to get your sleep. You, need, like I said, you said you have to pawn that kid off every once in a while. It's, it's good for that because it gives you a break. I mean, if you're not giving yourself that break, you're not going to do your, anyone any favors, right? You're, the frustration yeah. starts to come there. You get overwhelmed. The second thing, and probably the most important is, do what your wife tells you to do right that's the thing and it's not just because she knows best because let's be honest she knows best but you're also showing this your your young son here this young man how another man treats a woman properly right yeah, there you go you're, that's kind of that you're Word. putting that ground tool like that already into place for how to see, because little eyes see what they see, uh, what's that saying there? My little son? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Careful little ears, what you hear, what you hear, careful little eyes, what you see, what you see, because they're always watching, they're always listening, they're always picking up on everything that you're doing, so treating their mother right and stuff, that's something that he's going to carry on all the way through his life. So, mm-hmm. and then touching base on Major here, as they grow up, you got to let them do their thing. I mean, it's a good thing to be there for them, but don't do it for them right Mm. be there to support them but don't do it for them i mean it's that's the hardest thing right now is not wanting to be able to do it for them like major if you did everything for your daughter would she have learned to be the independent woman that she is
2: today i see the kids who
1: did everything and they are like lost right now
3: (laughs) (laughs) i mean so would you find
2: to where like they'll come i mean it's probably one of those things they come to you with the problem and then you just basically talking it through with them right just try to show them how to look at it critical thinking Looking yep. at an issue from a few different ways, and then letting them come up with the decision.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you right now, those teenage years, good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine, was I got the some of hey, mine
1: wasn't that. too bad. Though my teenagers wasn't too really? bad. Like it was all right. Like my daughter, she was a good teenager. She was like in the books and stuff. It was a couple run. I had to run a couple boys off, but uh <laughs> yeah, that's that's. So you got a boy, so that's that part is a little bit easier. But Yo, just keeping man. them. Focus as a boy—that's that's gonna be the hard part. But like, man, having girls, whoo, That high school is not. Yeah, them boys be after them, so you gotta you gotta fight them off. But yeah, like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I seen the of, 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 of bad boys with, the, uh, with Martin and everyone. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. that Our, every day. I
3: already know which kid I gotta lock up. I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> 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 you're not leaving the house. <laughs>
1: exactly. Well.
0: Take, I want to thank you for coming on the show here tonight. I mean, it means a lot to get you on here, talk about your story here, go behind the grind with you a little bit here, and uh, kind of just share everything from high school through the pros to what you're doing today. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's bigger and better things coming for you, especially in this world of fantasy, football, prop betting, NFL analysis here. I think yeah. you've just kind of touched that here in the last couple of years. So I, I can't wait to see – where you're going to go next in this journey. And I can't wait to uh, have you back on the show and see where (laughs) in some time and see exactly how that translated. So.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, we we were like a year or so in the making, but I was glad that uh, we were finally able to get this on the books and, you know, I enjoy talking shot with y'all. Like I said, y'all helped me do my initial round of due diligence for the new season. So I appreciate y'all for that. And then obviously it's always fun. Chopping it up about, you know, life in general and, great getting y'all's perspective on you know a ton of different issues so
0: i appreciate everything that y'all do as well well we thank you and with that all being said hey take i know i I respect the fact that you read a lot of books there the stanford stuff there i'm still at like a dr seuss level when it comes to reading i can't even read my show notes here properly so (laughs) with that being said i'm not even trying to make out what i have written down here i'm just gonna say uh thanks for tuning in and you know what once i find the proper buttons to hit we will see you next week (laughs) Beep! <laughs>